Hello, I'm Richard and I am so excited to have this opportunity to open God's word with you today. Well, here in King's Church, we've been going through the book of Galatians and this week we're looking at chapter five. Now, there's so much packed into chapter five that I'm not sure how on earth we're going to cover it in just 15 minutes or so. But let's give it a go. Let's start by reminding ourselves of where we've got to so far. Throughout this letter, Paul has been urging the Christians in Galatia to rely on their identity in Christ and not on any kind of religious observance for their salvation. Circumcision had been the main Old Testament sign that a man belonged to the people of God. It was part of the Old Testament law that was given as part of what we call the Old Covenant. Now, a covenant sets out the terms of a relationship. And although God had created us as humanity in his own image to be his children, we as human beings had rejected our relationship with God. We had chosen to go our own way without God and, and we ended up in slavery to sin. That is to say that having rejected our relationship with God, we were simply unable to live the way that he intended. We were trapped in our own selfishness and greed and we fell way short of the life of love that we were made for. But God was not prepared to abandon his love for us as his children. He wasn't prepared to give up on us as his children. And so he began with a man called Abraham and he promised that one day through his descendants all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And this promise was repeated to Abraham's son, Isaac, and then again to Isaac's son, Jacob. And so the Jewish people were born. Now, the Jewish people ended up in slavery in Egypt, but God rescued them through a great leader called Moses. And as they fled from slavery in a foreign nation, towards their promised land, God urged his people through Moses to live in faithful obedience to him. He urged them to live in close relationship with him, with his presence at the centre of their lives. And that's why he gave them the old covenant law. But as we, as we read the historical accounts, as, as well as the prophetic and the poetic writings of the Old Testament, we soon discover that this law wasn't able to change people. The law was a, a reminder that they were called to live faithfully in relationship with God, but it also convicted them of their sin. It showed them that they were simply unable to live as part of God's loving kingdom. Because humanity's rejection of God, our rejection of God, has left us trapped in our sinfulness ever since. So Paul has been reminding the Galatians throughout this letter that the old covenant was not able to rescue people from this slavery to sin. It may have been a, a temporary marker, like a badge showing that they belonged to God's special people but it was always God's own faithfulness to his promises and not the law that would rescue people. 
God's promise was that he would rescue not only the Jews, but people from every tribe and nation. And that promise, says Paul, is fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus came and died on the cross for the forgiveness of all sin. Jesus came to rescue us from our sin and to break its power over our lives. He came to do what the law was not able to do, to completely transform us, to make us new, to make us right with God. At the end of chapter four, Paul used the analogy of Abraham's two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, to make a contrast between those who are born of God's promise by the power of the spirit and those who are born of the flesh. Those who are born of the flesh are likened to Ishmael, the child of a slave woman. But those who are born of God's promise by the spirit are likened to Isaac, the child of the free woman. And that's where we pick up at the start of chapter five. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is required to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you would take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Paul is passionately urging the Galatians not to go back to relying on the law to give them any kind of special status. He says, if you're gonna start relying on parts of the law to make you right with God, then you'll have to go ahead and keep every part of the law. And then you'll have fallen away from relying on Jesus, the one who's actually able to save us because of God's grace, his undeserved favor, towards us. Paul is really frustrated here and he's been making this argument over and over. Circumcision can't save you. It makes no difference. It's God's faithfulness to his own promise in Christ Jesus that can save us. God's love and faithfulness. Faith 
expressing itself through love. And of course, the writer to the Hebrews will go on to tell us that Jesus is the author and perfecter of faith. And he's the author and perfecter of our faith. It's Christ's faithfulness that can save us. And we must put our faith, our trust wholeheartedly in that. And Paul is so annoyed with these agitators, as he calls them, who are undermining the true gospel with their insistence on circumcision that he wishes that they would go the whole way and chop everything off. He is really mad about this. And so we come to one of those famous New Testament passages that we can now read in its proper context. Galatians chapter 5 from verse 13 to 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now, when Paul uses this word flesh, he's not simply referring to our physical bodies. He sets up this contrast between living by the flesh and living by the spirit, living by the power of the flesh or by the power of the spirit. And it's a way of describing two different ways of living. So living by the, the flesh is about living out of our own humanity apart from God. It's the opposite of living by the power of God's spirit, living from the spirit. So having argued that it's only Jesus who can set us free from our slavery to sin and from living under the judgment of the law, Paul says there's no way we should then use that freedom to go back to living by the flesh because that's what we've been set free from. What's the point of being set free from sin to love God and to love others if we simply go back to living life the old way with us at the centre doing whatever we please? 
Now this is really important because some, sometimes people still do try to use the grace and freedom of the gospel to argue that they are free to live however they want. If God loves me unconditionally and if his favour towards me is entirely because of his faithfulness and not because of anything that I did, then, then surely I can just do whatever I want. Surely, surely it doesn't matter how I live my life. But that is to entirely miss the point of why Jesus set me free. And it misses the point of, of, of what he set me free from. I, I'm free to live by the Spirit. If I live by the flesh, then I end up desiring and doing things that are contrary to God's new law of love. Remember, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And Paul isn't afraid to give us examples of, of these acts of the flesh, things that contradict the command to love God and to love our neighbour. Now, sexual immorality is a catch-all term that the Bible uses to refer to all sexual relations outside of marriage. So Paul says sexual relations outside of marriage do not come from the life of the Holy Spirit in us, but rather from our broken humanity. Similarly, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like, these are all acts of the flesh and living by the flesh will not bring us into our kingdom inheritance. God longs for us to be part of his kingdom of love but this is not the way. Now Paul isn't saying that if you've ever committed any of these sins then you're out. But he is saying that continuing to live this way, living by the flesh from that source, by the power of the flesh instead of by the power of the spirit, cannot bring you back into right relationship with God. Jesus himself said that a person cannot enter the kingdom of God unless they begin a new life by the spirit. So having described some of what life might look like when lived according to the flesh, Paul goes on to describe the life that is lived by the Spirit. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Now if you think about a fruit tree, there are all kinds of things going on inside that tree. But what we can see on the outside and the way that we can know that it's healthy is by its fruit. The fruit of the Spirit in our lives is the evidence that we are healthy and living by the Spirit. It looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Paul says you don't need a law when you're living life this way. These should be your badges of belonging to the people of God this should be the evidence that you are God's children, because according to the true gospel, those who belong to Jesus have died with him to their old way of life, to living according to the flesh, 
They've been crucified with Christ. And through the power of his resurrection, they have now begun a new life with him in the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, we said in in chapter three, that's what baptism is all about, that dying to the old and that being born again to the new. So for goodness sake, don't go back to your old way of life, says Paul. Whether that's trying to rely on your own ability to please God or whether that's ignoring God and living simply to please yourself. Since the only way we could be saved was through the faithfulness of God in Christ by giving us new life in his spirit. Let us continue to live our lives by the power of the spirit. And that's my prayer for us as we talk together and pray together in this week and in the weeks ahead, that we would continue to learn what it means to keep in step with the Spirit.